This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Tuesday, December 8th, 2020. On this day in 1980, John Lennon was assassinated. As one of the most influential musicians of all time, Lennon's death shocked the world. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crime, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of suicide and murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the assassination of John Lennon. Let's go back to Manhattan on December 8, 1980. On a mild winter's day in New York City's Upper West Side, John Lennon opened his apartment door to welcome reporters from RKO Radio. The famous San Francisco radio personality, Dave Sholin, had requested an interview with John about his latest album, Double Fantasy, which John had recorded with his wife, Yoko Ono. In a little under a month, Double Fantasy had already gone gold. John was eager to share all the juicy details from its production, and the interview flew by with electric energy. By the end of the conversation, the focus had turned to Lennon's decades-long battle for world peace. The flower power hippie movement of the 60s had long since faded, but John never gave up on his revolutionary beliefs. In fact, he closed the interview by saying, I consider that my work won't be finished until I'm dead and buried, and I hope that's a long, long time. Around 4.30 p.m., John, Yoko, and the RKO crew exited the Lennon's apartment building, known as the Dakota. John and Yoko planned to head to the recording studio to work on their next single. As they waited for their car, a man approached them. He was timid and overweight, with a pronounced double chin. He had large glasses and a haircut like a budget store Elvis. He raised his hand and wordlessly extended a copy of Double Fantasy and a felt-tipped pen. John asked the man if he wanted an autograph. The man nervously nodded in return. While John signed the man's record, a photographer snapped a couple of pictures, a classic photo op of a superstar humble enough to greet even the most nebbish fan. Just as John finished signing the record, a limousine pulled up. The radio host offered John a ride to the studio, and he graciously accepted. John, Yoko, and the radio execs arrived at the studio called The Record Plant around 5 p.m. John and Yoko immediately got to work on their new track with producer Jack Douglas. 
The lyrics they wrote were dark and melancholic. I may cry someday, but the tears will dry whichever way, and when our hearts return to ashes, it'll be just a story, it'll be just a story. With the lyrics complete, John played a guitar riff for the track. As the clock approached 10.30 p.m., they left the studio happy and content with the day's hard work. Their limo took them through the calm city streets as everything wound down for the night. The vehicle pulled up in front of their apartment building and John opened the door. He stepped onto the sidewalk with a bunch of cassettes in hand. As he looked up, he made eye contact with the man from before who was now holding the signed album in one hand. Thinking nothing of it, John walked past him towards the door. But just after John walked past him, the man pulled out a 38 caliber handgun and fired five times. Four bullets pierced John's back and chest. Stunned and wounded, he staggered forward towards his apartment building. Cassette tapes dropped from his arms as he walked, flecks of blood staining their black plastic. Just as John reached the front vestibule of his apartment building, he collapsed to the ground. Yoko sprinted into the building, shouting that her husband had just been shot. A worker immediately called the police, and an ambulance arrived on the scene in a matter of minutes. John was rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, and doctors scrambled to save his life. But it was too little too late. Around 11.15 p.m., John Lennon was pronounced dead. Coming up, we'll discuss the fallout from John Lennon's murder. Hi, it's Greg. I want to tell you about a fantastic podcast show I know you'll love that dives deep into some of history's most notorious leaders. It's called Dictators, and every Tuesday, it examines the reign of a real-life tyrant, exploring the unique conditions that allowed them to seize control. Dictators have a never-ending thirst for power. Some seize this power through force, others through deceit, and all of them won't hesitate to eliminate anybody who stands in their way. You can hear episodes on dictators from the Roman Empire like Caligula, World War II dictators like Benito Mussolini, female dictators like Isabella of France, and many more. There are over 40 episodes available to binge right now that I know you'll find fascinating. Discover the governments that fell, the lives that were destroyed, and evil at its highest level. Follow Dictators Free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Around 11.15 p.m. on December 8, 1980, world-famous rock star John Lennon was pronounced dead after being shot four times in front of his apartment building. 
The world was quick to hear of John Lennon's death. His assassination was first announced during a Monday night football game between the Dolphins and the Patriots. Immediately following the announcement, thousands of people streamed out of their apartments to stand in front of the building where John was shot. They held hands, sang songs, and lit candles to commemorate the legend's passing. The candlelight vigil lasted for days. John Lennon was a beloved icon who preached love, kindness, and world peace. And yet somebody had murdered him in cold blood. Everyone was wondering why. That question could only be provided by his killer. As John Lennon bled in the entryway to his apartment building, his killer stood calmly only a few feet away, reading passages from The Catcher in the Rye. As an ambulance arrived to take John to the hospital, police officers arrived to arrest the man. He went along willingly as they placed him in the car and took him to the police station. His name was Mark David Chapman. Raised in Georgia, Chapman was a 25-year-old former security guard who lived in Hawaii. As a teenager, Chapman had been heavily involved with his Presbyterian church and worked at the YMCA and as a counselor for Vietnamese refugees, as well as for refugees in Lebanon. He was an upstanding young man, and all who knew him felt he had a bright and promising future ahead of him. He then attended Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. But after only a few months at school, Chapman dropped out. He then traveled to Hawaii, where he attempted suicide. After, he was admitted into a mental health facility where they treated him for clinical depression. Over time, he seemed to have recovered. He stayed in Hawaii, got a job as a security guard, and even got married to a travel agent. But he remained unstable. He grew obsessed with J.D. Salinger's novel, The Catcher in the Rye, claiming he wanted to model his life after the novel's protagonist. He also developed an obsession with the Beatles music and John Lennon specifically. When John publicly claimed that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus, Chapman grew furious. The anti-religious message in the song Imagine also upset him. As the years went by, Chapman grew more and more frustrated with John Lennon's lavish lifestyle and the seeming hypocrisy that went along with it. While John's song Imagine preached a world without possessions, John himself lived a life filled with them. Staring at this hypocrisy made Chapman want to kill John Lennon, and eventually he decided to follow through. After his capture, Chapman was put on trial for second-degree murder. His defense attorneys wanted him to plead insanity, but Chapman refused. Though Chapman was then diagnosed as schizophrenic, he felt he had been perfectly in control of his actions, and he deserved to pay the price. Chapman pleaded guilty, and he was sentenced to 20 years to life in prison. Chapman is still in prison today. He's been up for parole 11 times, and he's had his parole denied each time. In his most recent parole hearing, he claimed that he realized he only killed John Lennon 
for the glory the death would bring him. In Chapman's mind, glory was a synonym for infamy. However, he has said that he regrets his actions. He acknowledged, quote, it was an extremely selfish act. I'm sorry for the pain that I caused to Yoko Ono. I think about it all of the time. While John Lennon is gone, he will never be forgotten, especially by the man who killed him. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you enjoyed this episode, check out Assassinations on Spotify. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Parcast originals for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Giles Hovseth, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Adriana Romero. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out the Dictators podcast. Every Tuesday, they go deep into the minds of some of history's most despised despots. You'll get insight into their rise to power and the impact of their downfall. Search for Dictators in the Spotify app and listen free today.